My name is Patch. I'm recording. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos talks about every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Endolite homeworld. It's Vivian. Ahoy! I was trying to do something different there rather than just saying hello or having something not related to an introduction. <laughs> Very nautical. I appreciate it. And of course, we're also joined by the most elegant Estrian on Earth. It's Kate. Avast ye mateys! <laughs> Hoist the black flag! Yeah, you know, uh, Seri- yeah, you know, pirates in the ocean. Very topical for a series about space aliens. <laughs> well, you, I don't know. You started it. I, I just continued look. it. I carried it to its logical conclusion. You can't blame me. True. You made I... this decision. Real question: Is it so? So you you said uh, a handful of weirdos talks, or is it a handful of weirdos talk? I think it would be talk. Like I think the su- technically it is talk, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because the the well, the subject is the handful of weirdos is a prepositional phrase, and a handful is singular. So, but there's still weirdos in there, which means there's multiples in the handful. <laughs> well, the issue is that because of our um, our standard show, us weirdos have to stick together. The weirdos becomes a proper noun because it's used to refer to us as a group. Mm-hmm. So, like. Either oh, one I is see. technically acceptable, and I just kind of go with what uh, feels right at the time. <laughs> I haven't really codified the entrance to this one as much as I have to the main show, so it, it shifts sometimes. It's, I think <laughs> codifying things is overrated. I think I think that that like you know variety is a spice of life. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do the intro in German next week just to confuse. <laughs> Uh, I think they would be like, what am I listening to? This is not the podcast that I intended to turn on. Uh, yeah, no, no. We, we've, we've all just moved to Germany and instantly learned German, and so now we're just embracing the local culture. From what I can tell, German is just, you take a bunch of words and you stick them together into bigger words, and that's how all German words are made. Well, isn't welcome huh. just welcoming? Basically, willkommen, yeah. Willkommen, yeah, yeah. The, right, the W pronouncing a V, right. The, the English and German are extremely related as far as language evolution goes. So a lot of the words are very similar. It's just that the language construction is radically yeah, different. Yeah, like, isn't English like technically like a Germanic language or something? It sure is. Yeah. So there you go. But then, but then we got then we got a whole lot of that that good good Celtic stuff and that good good mm-hmm. French like Roman Latin shit and uh, it just like all mixes together into a just nonsense soup uh, that we all speak. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's basically just language, ain't it? Just nonsense soup. <laughs> well, I mean, especially since England has a long history of being, um, you know taken over by things and taking over other yeah, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We're not here to talk about history. Uh we're here to talk <laughs> about a, a fake a fake history of the nineteen nineties. <laughs> hey talk about it. this all happened. This is real. This is all just biological. Uh if this happened This is like maybe a very maybe a very slight spoiler. I don't think it is much because I'm being very vague. If this if this happened, what happened in these books actually happened, we'd be living in a very different world now. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Would it be a world where we still had the 2016 election go terribly, or is that something that Animorphs doesn't address? <laughs> I have to imagine. I think like I don't know. It's like 
is there like an epilogue to the kids like in like their 40s or whatever (laughs) if a if a if a butterfly Mm. flapped its wings differently in 1944 would we still have had the 2016 election it's like it's kind of like asking uh, like it it's impossible to say it's i don't know it's well we'll talk about that after we're done with the whole series in four and a half years how about that Just think of it like this. If Bugs Bunny sawed Florida off and it floated away into the ocean, what would have happened? (laughs) Well, I mean, Red vs. Blue never addresses what happens when they intentionally sink Florida, so there you go. (laughs) They never actually Um, have, like, any sea levels rise, to my knowledge. (laughs) 24-hour election year news cycle would no longer center that goddamn state. Yeah. (laughs) That's what would happen. (laughs) Not not that we're advocating for Florida to just disappear off the map because, you know, good people live there. No, I I, I definitely don't think that. I'm just saying that if if Florida did float off the map, it would no longer constantly be on the news every four years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing to think about that uh, by the time we finish Animorphs, we'll be in the midst of, like, getting close to the, like, 2028 election, which is a bit fucked. <laughs> yeah, AOC 2028. Uh, is that the mm. first time she can run? Is that when she's old enough? Uh, I don't know how old AOC is. <laughs> well, I, I think I remember, like, when she got in office, she was, like, eight, like 28 or 29, something like that. Well, then probably because you, yeah, you have to be 35 to run for president, so. As I recall, 2028 is when I was planning on running for president, so. <laughs> you have to be 35. Sorry. <laughs> you have to be at least 35. Oh, so I can run for president. Uh, okay, yeah. AOC is 33. I just looked. She was born in you... 89. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm still several years away because I am uh, um, y- young enough to still be considered young, but old enough that I have started to feel old. I'm in, like, the middle part where mm-hmm. there's nothing good. So there you go, everybody. Write, write me in <laughs> with the 2024 election. I'll make trans rights be a real thing for once. <laughs> <laughs> and also make billionaires not be billionaires. <laughs> the president. Vivian, doesn't. you realize we have a platform, right? You could actually campaign without it being a write-in. <laughs> the, the the president I mean, doesn't yes. really have any power. I mean, not if the, not if the rest of the government doesn't want them to, you know. Yeah, I mean, like how much did Biden actually get done because the Republicans just kept getting in the way? <laughs> A lot less than he could have, but that's not mm-hmm. the subject of our podcast. <laughs> uh, we may have about... to edit some of that out. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, Biden, yeah. Biden hates trans people too. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> well, it's he's never going to say it because that wouldn't work politically. But uh, I mean, he's like. A hardcore Catholic, come on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. At any rate, uh, that's, again, not what we're here to talk about today. So, uh, Animorphs. <laughs> I just kind of... I just kind of... I'll say one more thing. I just kind of think of him as like an old man Muppet. You know what I mean? That's kind of just how I see fighting. <laughs> okay, let's move on. He's a, he's a settler in Waldorf, except he's not really willing to actually, like, grill people who deserve it. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically it. Okay, we're done. Let's move on. No, no I guess okay. he's Sam yes. the Eagle, then, in that case. <laughs> like, I guess Sam the Eagle isn't necessarily old, but he has old guy energy since he left uh, America. Sam the, Eagle so has more, Sam the Eagle has more focus. Yeah. Uh, let's keep going. Oh, true. <laughs> we, need, we, we, need, we need to have some of Sam the Eagle's focus right now. <laughs> I refuse. I didn't take my Adderall today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Yes, uh, so we are currently neck deep in book seven, The Capture. And, Matt? uh, no, yeah. The Stranger. The Capture was book I don't six. Care. <laughs> I don't care. I like The Capture better. We're doing that one again. <laughs> yeah, but we wouldn't get, to, we basically only get to the point where Jake gets yurked again. We wouldn't have anything happen, really, in this episode again. <laughs> yeah, but that's the good part. Um,. <laughs> Wait, you don't like space From wizards? From now on, just every my segment is going to be the capture again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um. Okay. Yes. So, uh, book seven, The Stranger, which is going to be very obvious what this one talks about. It's not like the Predator. <laughs> yeah. We. Um. Yeah. We. 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 Uh, we've gone over the first part of it. We have. When we last left off, uh, Rachel did some elephant shenanigans, and then Marco told the Animorphs that he and Tobias had discovered where the Yurk Pool was, and then they did a very elaborate uh, roach morphing, uh, 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 almost like a, a, a shell game, but for roaches, and they have used this to infiltrate the Yurk Pool. So when we start in Chapter 10, which I have called Interdimensional Pool Party 2, they are <laughs> going down the stairs into the Yurk Pool. And, uh... They, Rachel talks a little bit about how the last time they were here, they were taking the stairs, but actually it's a ramp this time, so uh, the Yurk Pool is now, like, accessible. Good job, guys. They figured it out. Yeah, they, um, they finally let wheel... Actually, I was about to say, actually, the Yurks probably wouldn't Yurk wheelchair-bound people, now that I think about it. <laughs> the, uh, probably not, the, unless the they were famous and powerful. C compared, considering that, like, whenever Axe chops off a uh, controller's hand, I'm pretty sure that person's just getting fucking got by Visor 3, because they're not like a fully able body. Like, I feel like the Yurks are super ableist. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. See, I don't think that's specifically true for hands and arms. Like a one-armed controller can still carry stuff and shoot people. But like they it's have to, they that... have to explain <laughs> think... how they lost a hand or arm to people around th their social circles. I think it would probably depend on who the controller is and like whether their position is worth the the damage to the body. You know, yeah, I guess. like in the in the past, Yorks have have. Uh, infested people because of their position with positions within society that's their use to them uh and you know if someone loses a hand i know we've been counting these as, as deaths before but if someone loses a hand like there's a chance okay now this is no longer a worthy host like for instance i mean tom's just a goddamn kid you know mm -hmm. like if tom mm -hmm. lost an arm i doubt they would keep tom as oh yeah no tom would definitely get that <laughs> <laughs> but if chapman lost an arm chapman has a more valuable position, kind of, like, yeah. in human society. I guess it also depends on, like, if Yurks have, like, controlled any host species that can, like, make prosthetic replacements. Uh, I don't think they would spend the resources unless yeah. it was someone very valuable. It would also require a lot of, like, covering up, because it's like, well, where'd you get this weird sci-fi arm from? It's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and not that I remember we've seen, uh, I don't know, there's, like, we might be able to talk about that later in future books. I, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, so they're they're just roaching down this ramp, and though I say it's accessible now, that's not strictly true, because they are rolling down this ramp for 28 minutes at least. We don't know how much longer it is. Well, actually, we do. 
No, yeah. So we don't know how much longer it is after they say 28 minutes have passed that they, like, get to the actual cave. So based on a roach's average speed, we can estimate that this ramp is at least 1.7 miles long, and I don't care, like, yes, it's technically <laughs> wheelchair accessible, but that is going to be murder on the arms. Yeah. Also, all, the, all, the con all the controllers are getting to the bottom of it, or the top of it, like, <gasps> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn it! <gasps> we shouldn't have built it! This long, God. But that's Fuck. that's just exactly why the Yorks would never take me over because I get winded going up the flight of stairs. I would not go up the ramp. <laughs> no, they would actually start exercising. Ah, uh, the worst. Like, like the thing is that, like, if if you got taken over by a Yerk, your you would no longer have your freedom, but you probably get a whole lot more fit because the Yerk would actually go out and start, you know. Yeah, but, like, but the Yerk would also probably the Yerk would probably also not be bothering to keep me going with my hormones. <laughs> Depends on whether or not that was necessary to keep people from noticing that you had been controllered. Like it kind of definitely is. If if yeah, I mean if 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 people were like, "Why did you stop uh, taking your yeah. estrogen?" and then they're like, "Oh, I don't know. Um definitely not brain slugs. Definitely not cuz I'm a brain <laughs> slug." <laughs> like I think they get suspicious, you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, but I like that I'm not the only one that just now uh, googled the average speed of a road. Because <laughs> I was also curious to try to do the math. <laughs> 3.4 miles, uh, not very fast. <laughs> I mean, that's very fast for something that small. At any rate, at the end of the ramp, it seems like the renovations aren't done yet, because there are still 75 stairs that you have to go down when you reach the bottom of the ramp. Um... <laughs> Finally, after all of this, they reach the Yerk Pool, which I'm kind of going to skip the description of. We already got that. They, you know, people on the piers getting Yerks in and out of their heads, involuntary hosts, voluntary hosts watching TV. We've been over this. Um, uh, Rachel admits that she has nightmares about this place kind of a lot, and basically it's always her nightmare is being on that second pier being infested. Which is interesting to me, because as far as I know, she was never... Like, Cassie was actually on the pier. She was about to be forced into the water, and then Jake went down there as a tiger to save her. But Rachel was just off being an elephant, so... That's an interesting perspective shift for her nightmares. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, maybe... maybe I, I mean, she probably saw it from her way up high elephant head, you know? Where she can see yeah. over people. I mean, I... Uh, sometimes you dream... And like I, I, dreams, I, I this is one thing I don't like about don't like when fiction does when people just dream memories like memories they had that never happens. Mm -hmm. You don't dream about like just some verbatim memory. No, your brain switches it up a little bit. So, like yeah, she's never in this particular position, but I you know suppose what I, mean? I wouldn't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had fully forgotten it was Cassie, because for some reason I thought it might have been Rachel, who was the one who almost got thrown into the pool. No, it was Cassie, because then she turned into a horse and stomped that guy's head dead. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, so. it was that cop who was harassing her because she's a black kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, Rachel's white, because, like, we know Jake is white. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then, of course, we're just going to bump forward to chapter 11, because that first chapter is basically just getting there and that's it. Uh, chapter 11, I have titled Kills Bugs Dead. Um, 
yeah, they're they're in the York pool, and Jake kind of gives us a little bit of a reminder of the way the geography of it works, how there's buildings all around the cave, and he's figuring, like, okay, let's go into those buildings, because if the Kendron is anywhere, it's probably, like, in one of those, right? They wouldn't just leave it sitting out in the open, which makes sense, and they like, well, okay, so since we are roaches, we can probably get around pretty easily, but the eyes are bad, so that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the good news is uh, there's apparently food down here so because they can smell french fries, so they're, like, using <laughs> french fries as a, um, a navigational tool to aim towards whatever... It's the, it's the York Pool branch of the McDonald's, I guess. Um... And, and this this had me thinking because like why would they need a human cafeteria down here? That's for like. And then I realized there's probably there's probably like they're not just coming in to feed and then leaving. There's probably like human controllers working here. Yeah, long like there, there's there's some so, human controllers who are like willing hosts, like uh, they like Chapman's they need wife. To, they need to get they need to get lunch, but then like I want to keep their human bodies working, but then. I'm thinking, like, how's the food? You know, how's the food in the European <laughs> cafeteria? Is it bad? Is it good? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like, because the reason I would instantly assume that they had a cafeteria down here would be as a special reward for the voluntary hosts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you're uh... you're being part of this of your own free will. Have a nice meal that you get to taste once in a while. And with that in mind, I feel like it would probably be pretty good, right? Because they want to torture the non-voluntary hosts. I think that's so, true. I think it's also yeah. for. I think it's also probably for controllers who are, you know, oh, wor- wor- working here and need lunch. You know. Um, yeah, it's just whatever it is. It's got to smell amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's uh, they they find themselves on a linoleum floor, so I guess <laughs> the rest of this place is just full cave. But they made sure to install proper fast food flooring in this place. Again, and... the the fucking the fucking controller behind the counter at Home Depot obfuscating all of these <laughs> all of these orders for linoleum and building materials. Like mm-hmm. prop, props to that guy, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's the actual MVP. He should be Visitor 3. The most Visitor 3 to his position. The most effective logistics technician in the Yurk Empire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Axe confirms that he can smell humans, and there's a little bit of a, a note, like, Rachel complains about humans not having a smell, which obviously they do, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Axe refers it to... Uh, an animal that they have on his home planet called a flar, but he explains nothing else about what a flar is. So he does say it's Fun. not a bat. He does say it's not a bad smell. It's 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 a distinct smell, but not a bad smell. Well, thank goodness for that. I guess <laughs> I, I had to I had to look it up. There is no info on flar from the Animorphs Wiki. It just basically says it's a non-sentient animal, and according to Axe, human smells similar to it. <laughs> Never gets know. mentioned I again. Think... I like I like the idea that humans would not smell bad to aliens because I don't know. I just I like smelling nice. So <laughs> Yeah. Um so as they're like discussing how they're going to spy on people in the lunchroom, just like something starts looming over them and they don't know what it is. They don't recognize the scent of it, but it's not a human. And it's 
weird until Cassie finally realizes that it's uh, it's a taxon because she recognizes a taxon leg, and their immediate response is to just sort of go, "Oh, gross! Like, what's this doing here?" And they do not consider until it is too late that uh, actually taxons eat bugs. So. <laughs> Taxons eat anything that can fit into their mouths or be torn into pieces that can fit into their mouths. Yeah, the, the taxon that's here at the underground McDonald's, and he's just like, eh, nothing on this menu looks interesting to me. Ah, bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is where we learn that taxons apparently have, like, a... I don't know the word for it, but a tongue that shoots out like a yeah, frog. Yeah, because it it's... sort of whips out and slaps all of these guys, and they just stick to it because it oozes this, like... Uh, uh, adhesive that sticks insects to it. It's like a glue trap in your mouth. <laughs> Which is wild, and I can't believe it took until book seven for us to learn that they could do this. <laughs> well, I think that they can really only do it to bugs, so... That is probably true. <laughs> and, yeah, um, so they are all stuck on this taxon's tongue, they're being devoured, and, uh, it's bad. And then, uh, time stops which will take us into chapter 12, which uh, <laughs> I have titled The Storm Crow Arrives. Uh, so time is, like, stopped. That, is, that the, a Warcraft, hmm? is that a Warcraft 3 reference? Uh, no, The Storm Crow is one of Gandalf's many names. Oh, okay, yes. Because <laughs> it's, it's space Gandalf, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would have been easier if I said Graham, but Stormcrow is just oh, yeah. objectively cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So time stops, basically. That There's, like, no movement, no sound, not even smell, because air has stopped moving, which is a wild detail, and I love that we're getting it. We don't usually get that in time stops. And then the Animorphs start demorphing, and it's like they don't... They're not doing it deliberately. They're not choosing to do it, but something is forcibly demorphing them, which is a fascinating idea. As much as this series is about, like, choosing your form and picking the way you want to be, the fact that it's being done to you against your will is, like, wild, and we barely touch on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't really, oh. like, think about that much. <laughs> Especially with like the fact that all these like most that pretty much all these kids except Axe are like, oh, this guy doesn't seem so tough, and it's like he forced you to use this power that you have against your will. That's cause for concern. That's like uh, you know cause for concern a little. <laughs> it... <laughs> you're you're referring to Tobias here? Uh, no, like uh, Marco oh. says he doesn't look so tough. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, he's... De yeah, no, he stopped fucking time. <laughs> also that. You would, a... Yeah, you would think that's like, if you find out that space wizards exist, my guy, and that he's capable of stopping time, it doesn't matter what he looks like in terms of being tough. Wizards usually are, look <laughs> like they're frail old men in, like, the classical, like, zeitgeist of culture. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean that no, they there's... actually are push-offers. I don't. I don't think it's a spoiler to say, because it's obvious. This guy could just fuck like delete you from reality if he wanted to. Like that's, uh, yeah. The the, the Olympist is um, kind of like Q level, I would say. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, now that they are human slash Andalite again, they find themselves inside the lunchroom and no longer stuck to this taxon's tongue. It's, you know, it's it's a lunchroom, it's not specifically a McDonald's, but that just makes it seem even more like school cafeteria to me because they definitely do still have the floors and the long tables and it's like, okay, I see now why they have uh, an assistant principal as one of the highest ranking Yerks. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Purely just so that I they think... could get a guy who knows what a, kitchen, what a uh, cafeteria looks like in a high school to replicate it. <laughs> I, think, I, think Cha- I think Chapman is high ranking specifically because uh, he has his a bunch position of kids, yeah. as... Well, yeah, he has actually a bunch of kids, and his, his position as assistant principal also feeds well into his role within the sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's his whole job, yeah. basically. Except from what we've seen of him briefly, is that he kind of sucks at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But can you really, other than maybe Visser One, can you really name a Yerk that doesn't suck at their job? True. Temrash was terrible <laughs> at his job. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, Temrash. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the whole place is basically frozen like an image. People are stuck in mid-movement or mid-speech, and even, like, steam rising from coffee is frozen. It's... I love this image. This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we also get sort of a, a slow-mo look at pork and Taxons. There's not really anything new to say about them, because we've been introduced to them a lot by this point, but I'm... I don't know. I would definitely be tempted to, like spend some time doing actual study of these guys while they couldn't like run after me and stab me <laughs> and then you also get a marker out and draw their face like Digglypuff <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got the opportunity <laughs> although I guess I guess starts... I mean I guess things do rewind back to wh- later on when they were well, still bugs listen so you're stick. spoiling the rest of the book that we don't know this yet yeah. You've... The rest of the book that we're going to get to in, like, three chapters. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, they, they, as weird as this is, they decide not to hang around, and so they all just start booking it out of here. <laughs> They're running full speed to get out of this lunchroom and into the York pool itself, which they didn't even consider before they got out there, but thankfully time freeze has occurred out there too, because otherwise it would have just been a bunch of weird kids and an andalite in weird clothes bursting into the urine pool unexpectedly. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know that they're, I know that they're confused as to what's happening and time has stopped and everything. But I would definitely take this opportunity to go into battle morph. Yeah, yeah, like it's uh-huh. like, it's like you, you don't know how long this is gonna last. You probably should. you don't know what's, yeah, you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like even though presumably <laughs> they might get popped out of it, but it's like it's still worth trying to actually be in a more dangerous form and also not human. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but as we're examining the scene of horror of the frozen York pool, something is moving in that stillness. It's it's very weird because it's the only thing moving outside of them and this boy appears and he's like uh, all tall and weird and doesn't quite seem like he fits in his body correctly and maybe his hair looks like he's never taken care of it because uh tobias is here uh he's a human again and he's here and he's freaking out because he's not used to being a not a bird (laughs) Uh, yeah because he's like been a bird for like what like three months now roughly 
probably something like that yeah, yeah Ra- Ra- rachel tries to hug him and it's a really sweet moment but then he like flaps his arms and tries to get away <laughs> <laughs> yeah she just runs up on him when she sees him so mm-hmm. like she she's activating bird instincts that he doesn't even mm-hmm. have anymore <laughs> But, yeah, uh, no, it's very nice. She hugs him as she asks what's going on and why he's here. And he doesn't know either. He was flying outside, and then suddenly he was in the yerk pool as himself again. And um, something is pretty messed up. Like, they, they still don't know what's wrong, and Cassie seems more suspicious of this than anyone else. But uh, X confirms that this isn't yerk technology, and indeed it's beyond Andalites also. And then, um, uh, <laughs> uh, and then the last of the Maiar, the greatest of the elite. <laughs> uh, no, so, um, he's never a, a late, he shows up of... exactly when he's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is true, yeah. He arrives right. exactly when he needs to. I bet the Elemist would make some great fireworks. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's able to... His voice reverberates from basically everywhere simultaneously. It's not thought speech exactly, and I love the description of this, so I'm just going to read the paragraph. But the voice came from everywhere at once, and from nowhere. It wasn't a voice, not really. It wasn't even thought speak. It was an idea that simply popped into your head. The words exploded like bursting balloons inside your own thoughts. (sighs) And Beautiful. In, ah. Yeah. In, in, in the book, it's represented with all caps, no quotation marks. It's yeah, it's also like, a different font. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I guess in, in Discworld, death is, is in small caps, but this isn't that case. It's just like all capital letters, which, yeah, which like you, 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 could, you could either read as like a resounding, all-encompassing word, or you could read it as, what? Humility <laughs> from an Andalite! <laughs> I'm just now also imagining him uh, speaking like this, just going gay, gay, homosexual, gay. <laughs> like, you know, when, I like, just referring to, like, people like Amity or something. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But, it's, uh... It's, you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know the gay, gay, homosexual, gay meme? No. Oh, weird. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have to show you that later. <laughs> okay. Dude, yeah, yeah, later. Uh, no, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just funny. You could, you could either read, um... You could either read it like it's intended, or you could read it like a Donald, like a Donald Trump tweet. Oh, <laughs> oh, fuck! Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what humility from an Andalite? Acts of Melee Escaruth still has begun to guess what I am, but do not be afraid. I am the best at this. Uh, <laughs> just now imagining uh, the fucking illumist at some point saying that he's had Kavefe, and meanwhile the kids are like, "Don't you coughing?" It's like, no. You you fucking idiots! You dumbasses! You haven't ever had kofefe. It's from whatever the fuck planet. It's from space. Don't worry <laughs> yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. God, I'm so glad that fucker didn't actually come back to Twitter when Musk offered him. <laughs> he definitely will by the time he starts a campaign trail, though, right? Uh, I don't. I don't give a two yeah. goddamn shits about anything that happens on Twitter anymore. I'm sorry. Fair. fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The chance that Twitter blows up in the next like six months before the campaign starts really ratting up, pretty solid, I guess. I never got a Twitter, and I'm never gonna. Probably the Not smartest now. move anyone could ever make. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Rachel, when this enormous voice starts appearing, 
immediately thinks she's going to fight something, but that's okay. Uh, the voice knows her name and insists that they're not going to fight. Uh, this messes them up, and acts most of all, because he knows what this is. And I do want to point out specifically that, uh, that when it talks about Axe, it uses his full name, which I appreciate because no one else does. <laughs> I would, I mean, I would at least call him Axe I think uh, it's not even that hard. It's just, it's, it's like, it's four syllables, you know? It's, it's four goddamn syllables. <laughs> just, just say Axe It's like his first name. You don't yeah. have to say Eskarath Isthil. Andalites don't call each other by all three names at once, usually. Well, they know I mean, each other admittedly, casually. like, we don't know that, know that, since we haven't seen Andalites interact, but also, you could just ask him instead of nicknaming him. But didn't didn't Axe yeah. refer to his brother simply just Elfangor when he was yeah. introduced? I believe that is correct, yeah. yes. Yeah, all the time. Which, to be fair, that could also be just, like, a cultural thing of, like, that's his family, so, like, he yeah. doesn't have to use the full long name and well, We'll see. We'll see Andalites interact with each other a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Prince Elfangor is like a celebrity war hero, so maybe it's just like a Britney thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, very a very uh, well known Andalite war heroes just get their one, like the one name treatment like share. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the Andalite equivalent of Fifty Cent? I gotta know now. <laughs> Uh, yeah um so when axe says that this must be an elemist he he sort of appears and again strange 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 movement going on the air just sort of opens up around them in a way that they can't explain or understand as if there were a door in nothingness and i love this because as much as it's frustrating to me when they don't explain things happening in the book. It is way more interesting when the main character is doing her darndest to do it and still yeah. can't. And that that is one of the things I love about the Elimist is because whenever this guy shows up, it's just going to be the trippiest, non-imaginable visuals ever. It's like, okay, picture this thing you literally can't picture because your brain doesn't work that way. That's what it was like. <laughs> just imagining one of the kids is being like, could you just introduce yourself normally for once, my guy, rather than always doing yeah. this bullshit? And he's like, I don't, I don't follow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny because in the show, he was just a glowy guy. He was just a glowy ghost guy. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I, like, I, I was going to ask was like how they, fucking... I was going to ask how they handled him in the show, yeah. He, he was basically like uh, Obi-Wan as Force Ghost. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, if I can find this on YouTube to see what the scene looks like with him. You can find it on, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this because it would contain so many spoilers, but you could find it on the wiki. Because, um, like, <laughs> literally anything you look up about, about this character is going to be a spoiler. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying Fair, so hard yeah. not to spoil anything right now. It's, well, it's super I, I, difficult. Some, somebody uploaded the entirety of the 1990s TV series on the YouTube and did not give a fuck. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that anyone cares. About I, I mean, that, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Well, although I will say, I will say, theme song, great. I love that. Yeah, what, wasn't we? Weren't we like considering using that for a while, and then we were like, we would probably not get. Probably, yeah. We probably, probably not, not get the rights. Yeah. 
It's a really good song. <laughs> it's like the only, like one of the only good things about the show. Oh well, I, I just found uh, a scene with Axe and I assume Ahork was here for the first time, and that looks weird. <laughs> it's all in your hands. Wait, they got a they got a nut drop. Hold back man. the darkness. What is this? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yep, that's, that, that's, that, okay, yeah, yeah. he's, he's uh -huh. just uh -huh. Force Ghost, yeah, that is just, just a Force Ghost, man. He's Force Ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I do, the book representation is a little bit different from the description here, because in in here it says he looks like someone, it's like his skin looks like someone painted a light bulb blue. So yeah. he's like glowing. Okay, okay, I, okay. I can through, see how they came yeah. to this uh, course of action when it came to trying to depict this dude, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Except that it's nowhere in there does it say that he's a transparent guy who looks like your great uncle. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like who just who just looks like he might be named Dave and that he might be like at a barbecue or something. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the full it's, the, <laughs> the full context of them meeting him, them like meeting him, is so different though. They're just in the woods and get a net thrown on them, and then all of a sudden he pops up, being like, "Hey, guys." <laughs> He looks. He looks a little bit like that coworker who tells you too much about his trip to Disneyland. Oh <laughs> yeah, he does. Huh? <laughs> oh goodness. All right. Well, yeah, uh, um, nice little sidetrack. I was just super curious what he looked yeah. like in the show. Uh, doesn't look anything like the artwork that he showed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really love how detailed Rachel is with this description. She's again. You can really see the literary side of her. Go, shining through because she's talking very poetically here Stu you know uh, his eyes were black holes that seemed to be full of stars it's <laughs> she's good at this as much as she doesn't want to be and I love it um, and yes he, he introduces himself he admits that he is one of the Elemists and uh, Axe is terrified by this because he doesn't know he, he is very very badly freaked out uh, the Elemists points out that, look, the humans aren't that messed up. Don't worry about it. Seriously, it's chill. I'm just an omnipotent being that stopped time. Don't be afraid of me. Why would you do that? Um, <laughs> um, and while Axe ret retorts that like they can't be afraid yet because they don't know what he is, the Elemist just kind of pointing out, like, I mean, you don't either. You only know the, the like fairy tale version of me, so mm -hmm. maybe meet me and then judge me. The, Come on. The fact that apparently the Andalites <laughs> have the equivalent of fairy tales in particular is kind of yeah. a weird terminology to use for a spacefaring well, race. <laughs> well, I mean, and and the, and the Elimists are their fairies. Like that's that's straight up it. It's it's these are these are like crazy powerful trickster beings that Andalites have in their legends and shit. Okay, so it's, so it's yeah. like our equivalent of like the Fae. Like, don't ever give them your real name. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Exactly. I mean, yeah. ex except they're a little bit more sure they exist, I guess. But you know, it's yeah. Zach isn't like, holy shit, a mythical being just appeared. He's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like, like fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. The, the Rachel like sort of busts in and demands an introduction because she's mad, despite how poetic she has been. <laughs> But the Elemist basically just says that, no, there's no point. You wouldn't get it anyway. <laughs> and... It's like, try them. I get that they're teenagers, but it's like they've, in the last couple of months, they found out that not only do alien, like, brain slugs exist and also alien sonic deer, but also that now space wizards exist, my guy. I think you could try to explain things to these kids and they might get it. 
Max kind of summarizes them as all-powerful beings, uh, and his quote here is, they can cross a million light years in a single instant. They can make entire worlds disappear. They can stop time itself. Yeah, man, thanks. I'm looking around, I can see that, sure. Uh, <laughs> but apparently they don't want to do anything about the brain slugs that keep going around destroying entire worlds. That, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. address that. That's complicated. We'll get to it later. Okay. There's a lot more to it than that. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, don't, yeah, it's stuff there's stuff is it later <laughs> in this book or later in general <laughs> oh i would say that they get they kind of edge into that in this book a little bit okay but, 50, yeah, 50. Right. yeah. Mm. i'm pretty sure we get an actual like reason within the next few chapters actually i, I think it might be i don't remember in any of the chapters that we read for this week of him like he, he, I, i'll get there because it's part of my description I, and everything i, I think i, th I think it, i think it's at the i think it's toward the end of this book we'll we'll learn a little bit okay, about that it, yeah. it has it has to do with like what i'm not gonna say anything more i'm i'm, yeah. just, I'm trying so hard not to spoil things uh it's really hard with the alimist it's so hard <laughs> i mean he's a fucking space wizard it is a little bit hard not to talk about the space wizard it, it, it is it is hard not to talk about the space wizard that the book is about it's also hard not to talk about the space wizard the book is about in the context of everything we'll learn about him later which is like most things about him we know nothing right now so yeah it's i'm trying i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate your restraint because I understand how difficult it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so at any rate, uh, Axe gives that summary, and Marco's like, "Well, I mean, okay, sure, but he doesn't look powerful. Like, as if appearances matter, Marco. Come on." But um, Axe, like is very snappish about this. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure stopping time looks pretty powerful. Like, oh, Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, appearing out of a door in nothing seems pretty powerful to me. Yeah. Like, it's like, again, it's like, have these kids never, like, seen or read any book of fantasy or fiction or anything to be like, oh yeah, this guy can teleport. <laughs> and Max just described it as anywhere in the fucking universe. That seems pretty potent, mm -hmm. my guy. <laughs> Marco watches Star Trek. He knows about Q. Huh. Like, it's, based, it's like a very similar thing, honestly. It's yeah, he's, <laughs> he's in the comics. He always thinks of like, uh, like Spider Man or like Superman. It's like this is like, this is like times a million, my guy. <laughs> he also watches Star Trek. It's uh, yeah, he's he's a very popular culture. I guess Superman person. can rewind time by making the planet spin backwards and solve it. Still. Well, in <laughs> I. Th I the, the the closest the closest uh, parallel in in that I think would be uh, like Mr. Mix's Pitlick or something. Oh yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Except that Mr. Mix's Pitlick is a much more of a dick, which <laughs> like is actually saying a lot. But you know. Yeah. Also, you can't get the elements to go away by tricking him into saying similar. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah. Uh. So, yes. Um, Axe basically has to explain the most basic concept of omnipotent beings to Marco. <laughs> in so far as saying that he has no body, he is everywhere, like constantly inside space time. And so Jake asks him, like, okay, sure, if you're that strong, why are you here? Like, you know us, what's going on here? And uh, he gives a very unfortunate answer because. Um, 
uh, the Grey Pilgrim is here to see if uh, the Animorphs are ready to decide the fate of the human race. And I that's love the that, end of my chapters. I love that we've already decided that he's he's Space Gandalf because I was going to start making that joke. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, he's, I'm so he's glad just, we're on the same page with that. He's just showing up. He's just knocking on their door and being like, "Hey, you want to go on quest?" <laughs> I had kind of considered because Gandalf has enough names, so I'd kind of considered a bit where I would just refer to him by a different one every time I talked yeah. about him. But it's not enough to yeah. do that consistently for the whole series. So. Yeah. Well, also, uh, yeah, and the parallels run deeper than we know right now. It's, uh, again, it's hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard to spoil things. (laughs) Because the Olympus is possibly one of my favorite characters in this entire series. Um, Hmm. Chapter 13, isn't that yours? That's me, yeah, 13 through 15. Okay. Yeah, uh, 13, which I called I Can Show You the World. Uh, because there's really uh, nothing that really happens in this chapter as much. <laughs> no, we can't, we gotta get sued. <laughs> uh, Listen, it's okay as long as it's less than 30 seconds. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I suppose, yeah. But yeah. Uh, basically, uh, our space wizard buddy here uh, says that elements just don't interfere with the affairs of other beings, except when extinction is on and the line. that's the reason. Yeah. Like, right there. Immediately. That is why they don't yep. destroy uh, the Yeah, there we go. But, but, there we go. Yeah. It's something that I guess we'll get into overall with this, but it's like, except when extinction's on the line, that's still technically interfering. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Okay, so the, I will, I will say this, and only this. There's a very complicated set of rules. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. There's a very complicated set fine. of rules that have been, yeah, it's, it's, and, and the, we'll get into more what those rules are and why they exist a lot later. Uh, but it's just yeah. It, I, I, it's I guess uh, I guess a uh, freaking um, space egg fort here has to only interact at a few times, <laughs> rather than just overall and just deal with the space yorks. <laughs> it's, it's like honestly, it's like the Watcher from Marvel Comics, except I have no he has rules when this. he's actually allowed to intervene and not just zero like, idea for the Watcher. Is. <laughs> they they can't interfere, but they can interfere. You know what I mean? Like, like they mm-hmm. they can't interfere obviously (laughs) well that's Uh, the thing right so like marvel's watcher is supposed to be watching all of time and space and never like interfering with reality or anything mm -hmm. but basically literally every time he shows up he's breaking that vow because something cosmically important is happening and so he's going to give us the the macguffin today (laughs) well and also like the 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 alimus specialty is little tweaks little tiny tweaks little tiny tweaks that get, you know, stuffed out. Just little nudges. Yeah. Yeah, it's, ex- like, the first time the the Watcher shows up in Marvel, he gives Reed Richards the ultimate nullifier, which is a weapon that will destroy the entire universe if you're bad at using it. <laughs> so, like, clearly not no not interfering, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, no pressure at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever. But by, by that metric, what the Alimist is doing here is actually pretty tame, I would say. But I agree, I, yes. I guess, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, I just have conflicted things about him being like, we don't interfere, except when, you know, we want to throw you in a human zoo. <laughs> yeah, except when we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, except when we do. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes we just want to. <laughs> I do like that sometimes the Watcher shows up just to dunk on people for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Let's continue on. Uh, basically, the Elemist uh, further explains that his kind love life of all sorts and has taken a special interest in Earth, calling it a beautiful planet and a priceless work of art. 
So then he basically just starts warping them around to like different parts of the world to show them like the beauty of Earth. Like he shows them like an ocean, the African savannah, jungle, like streets of cities like New York and Rio de Janeiro and stuff. He basically just does this to basically just prove his point of like, ah, this is this is worth protecting in some regard. I'm not gonna actually do everything like kill the space aliens, but yeah, you go. Uh, but basically, yeah, he more or less just like ends up warping them back to the York pool in the end to basically once again declare that humanity is an endangered species and how the Yorks are simply too technologically advanced to be defeated by humanity and even says that the Andalites will also fail to stop them so it would only leave human controllers which is basically like technically ex not extinct but also technically extinct because there's no free will I guess yeah. involved. Basically extinction of all human culture at the very least. Yeah. He also, this is important, he also describes humans as capable of understanding. Yeah, like he calls um, humanity crude and primitive but capable of understanding at yeah, one point. Um, which will be, just keep, keep, it, keep, keep, uh, keep that phrasing in mind, mm -hmm. I would say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but uh, Rachel realizes that the way he puts things makes it impossible to argue since he just knows this to be the truth that humanity would lose mm. and therefore not into question. It's kind of kind of a quick chapter, there's nothing really else going on there, but uh, my chapter 14 synopsis is much longer. Which I have called the human zoo but by space wizards instead of gay space rocks. <laughs> For those who have watched the universe. Uh, yeah, basically just continues- You mean like every, every single person who listens to this? Uh, uh, excuse me, Patch your... hasn't actually watched the uh, human universe. <laughs> This what? is true. Yeah. What? I have seen we, one episode have, and I hate what? it. What? We have discussed well, that I mean, times yeah. of us covering Steven Universe for the main show. It's just that that's a long show, so I'm not sure. Early, early Steven Universe is unbearable. It gets better. It's, yeah, it's like early <laughs> Steven Universe is very weird joke of the week kind of stuff. Yeah. But once, it, once it gets... like, I feel like once Lapis even gets introduced, that's when shit starts really hitting the fan in some cases of like, okay, the story's actually ratcheting up. And it's so weird to think that Lapis's introduction was originally just the end of the show, because they only plan on like so. that short bit. It's, and Steven it's... Universe Future is really good. Oh yeah, Steven Universe Future is like, hey, what happens when you have a 13-year-old kid be part of a war? Uh, fucks yeah, him up, apparently, it turns what? out. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> Well, if that's what it's about, we're definitely not allowed to cover it on the main show, because that's just double-dipping with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like most of the characters we have covered in our other shows have dealt with PTSD in some regard at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like Katra, Luz, uh, Nimona. <laughs> Pretty much everybody, you know, that's like the main character on Infinity Train. <laughs> so, you know, it would just be part for the course, really. The only, the only problem I have with Steven Universe, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but again, it's, it's an old show, uh, is um, that, like, at the end, the space rocks that commit a genocide mm -hmm. are fine, because they're family, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they kind of got the show, like, severely cut down, because Rebecca should have been like, with the gay kiss and everything. So, that's Cartoon yeah, Network's it's, fault, it's not really yeah, theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In any case, uh, we continue on with the element saying that they basically just have a Nerf-like planet set aside for a small sample of humanity, where the Animorphs, their family members, some others, people that they, I guess, have already pre-selected, and some animal species would be relocated to. Uh, Cassie basically just refers to him as an environmentalist trying to save species like spotted owls, rhinos, and whales, while Marco says they'd be getting on Noah's Arctic via the Yerk Flood. Pretty, pretty apt, but it's on the nose a little bit. <laughs> 
Uh, but the Pelias does see through this to refer to this offer as a human zoo, which again really makes me wonder if Rebecca Sugar took this idea to incorporate it for Steam Universe. <laughs> Seems a bit too similar I, to not <laughs> be really. I don't. I don't think. I don't think this idea. Uh, this, this I guess idea it's not real. Not, yeah, well, I, I guess it's not like it's, relatively new. It's like it's from probably something that's up before another yeah. media too. It's also not a huge part of the series. It's really like. Yeah, true. It, well, we'll get to that. There, we'll get to that. Yeah. It's, There's also only like only a few episodes actually deal with the human zoo anyway in Steam Universe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, the illness once again says that his kind do not impose their will upon others and that he has merely decided to let them decide since they're the only free humans who know what's going on. But also, they have to decide now. <laughs> no, no time. You have to decide now. Yes or no right now. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Uh. And I was like, you should probably, like, let these kids have, like, a couple days, my guy. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, but basically, if they say yes, they and their loved ones will be instantly teleported to their new planet. But if they say no, he will reverse time back to when they were about to be that taxon's lunch. And again, their purpose is just to not interfere, even though this kind of feels like interfering to me. <laughs> uh, Cassie then asked Tobias, but, like, uh, you know, she asked about Tobias, but he too would be turned back into a bird if... They say no. And Jade calls it ridiculous rude. to have five kids make a decision on this magnitude. And yes, also very <laughs> rude. It's like you have the ability to turn this kid into a person and let him not be a bird anymore. And it's like, eh, it'll be a bird again if you say no. That's it. I guess the question there is, would he, would Tobias be unburded if they said yes? I presume and that also... that yeah. Uh, because he was in mid-flight when this happened, so if they said yes, is he unburdened in the same place? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he says he says that they'll be instantly teleported to the planet. So no, I I think I think Tobias would be unburdened, and I think that they would just be teleported. They would just be transported to wherever they were gonna go. Yeah, just um, like just on the ground rather than oh well, you you know you stay relative to where you were, so you're up in the sky still. I don't think the Illumist is that much of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> like it's you know, it was like real monkey's paw. Like yeah, okay, we'll save a small part of humanity. Oh well, there goes one small part of humanity because he got unburdened in midair and fell on. He's also air. like you. You got to remember the Illumist is a schemy little guy. He's like he's making plans. You know, he's he's doing stuff. He's. He's being, he's being a little, he's being a little bastard, you know. Yeah, again, again, he really reminds me of uh, Eggfort in that sense, where he's just like, you know, again, Eggfort being his whole like, I am five hundred years old, I fucked that bird, <laughs> or whatever, where it's just him like unhinged a bit, <laughs> while still being able to just mm -hmm. like grab the sun and throw it at people. After <laughs> uh, Eggfort is insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. In any case, uh, X says that Elimus basically just give people choices that aren't really choices at all, and then pretend that it was your decision. Which, again, yeah, this guy is a little bit full of shit about not interfering, I'd say. Rachel also thinks that the Elimus is full of crap, uh, but also cannot deny the possibility of having peace is tempting. But Tobias basically just votes no, because he thinks the Elimus is using him to try and get the others to cave in, which fair, could be viewed that way, of like, oh, well, they would say yes in order to make me not be a bird anymore. I think I think the most accurate thing that anyone has ever said about the Illumist in this book is, the Illumist is full of crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> kinda. Even if he might technically be correct in some regards, he's kinda full of crap. He's... <laughs> You'll see. You'll see how much that applies as we go on through the series, Fine. and even through this book. It's the 
you can never take anything the Elimus says. I, I'm assuming that the, he doesn't come up a whole lot. I'm assuming that it's not like he shows up every couple of books, because I feel like that'd be like overusing the Space Wizard. He is no. He he only shows up every couple of books. He's not he's not going to be in every single one, and he's really going to show up when it's very important. But the thing is that when he does show up, it will be important. Okay. And he's also a very important character in like the overarching story. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, it's been a while since I've read through, but I feel like he's kind of a ten percent of the time sort of a guy. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like that's as much as you can really use a wizard. You know, it's it's like it's like the whole thing of Gandalf always like leaving the the dwarves <laughs> and. The, like for those group and everything, because like if he's there, he's just gonna solve mm-hmm. all their problems all the time because he's Gandalf. The the Elimist has to leave to deal with the necromancer. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. No. He he had to fight the Balrog for three days, falling down. He kind of died, but not not really. Now he's back and he has different hair. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um... It's like again, you can't overuse a wizard because then it's just they solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In any case, uh, my synopsis for this chapter is pretty long, but we're almost there. Uh, Cassie's basically just into saying yes, though, since she cares about humanity not going extinct. And Marco, at this point, just jumps to the conclusion that Rachel would also be a no, since she wouldn't leave Tobias to fight on his own while having to give up being human again. Which, to be fair, <laughs> in his in his defense, she does say he's right. I would not be able to justifiably say yes when Tobias is a no. <laughs> Uh, but Rachel basically says that the Illumis wants them to run away and save themselves and those they care about on a personal level, while Axe just outright refuses to vote since he cannot justifiably make a decision for humanity, and also his people are sworn to fight the Orcs, and also that he simply does not trust this guy. All fair reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie again argues that they might not even survive being eaten by the Taxon to continue their fight, and that it would be kind of worth it to save some people over losing everybody, right? Which, again, I can understand Cassie's approach to this. Because, again, Cassie is, like, kind of a pacifist, so she would actually want to not do fighting as much and also save at least some people. This is true, but it's also a little more grim pragmatist than Cassie normally is. Yeah, a little, a little, like, I mean, it's, I guess you could interpret it like Cassie is kind of willing to sacrifice, like, 99% of people if 1% has a chance of making it, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, uh, that, that's definitely true. I also feel like Cassie kills a lot of people for being a pacifist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I just mean, like, her whole deal as of the end of her book was that she wanted to fight because she found out that the Yerks were going to terraform yeah. this planet and burn it down and destroy all animal yeah. life. Yeah. And now she's willing to, like, ah, no, screw those guys as long as some humans survive. Well, she, I mean... also, she, also sees, she also sees, you know, the environment getting destroyed by people all the time and people having to set aside wildlife preserves and stuff. Yeah. For for whoever's left, and and she kind of sees it as that, I guess. Also, to be know? fair, in her like between then and now, she's also learned they're going to lose no matter what. <laughs> At least according yeah. to the space wizard. According to this guy, yeah. So it's like, yeah, if we like, it's like if she didn't know that, she would continue fighting to try to save people. But now that she knows that they're probably going to lose, it's like, well, isn't it worth it to mm-hmm. at least save some people that we couldn't otherwise? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But Rachel notes that neither Jake nor Marco have voted, because basically they were checking out what she realizes is the drop shaft that also goes upwards. Did we not know that drop shafts could also go upwards till now? I don't think we did, no. Because I know that like when the one time that we dealt with drop shaft back in book 5, they used it to go down levels, but I don't remember if it was ever mentioned. 
I think an anti-gravity capable drop shaft that couldn't go up would be kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like oh, it's this basically is basically an elevator. This is yeah, this is the elevator, but it only goes down. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now to be fair, Tobias did go up the drop shaft, but that's because he was flying. Yeah, he's, he a, yeah. Like... he's a bird. Yeah, he can work against gravity on his own. The the last time we saw a drop shaft going up would have been a very bad and stupid idea. So <laughs> now now it's. I guess there's the also the there's also so. the fact that I mean they are called drop shafts, which kind of makes you think you go down because you drop. <laughs> yeah, well, you can yeah, elevators are called elevators are called elevators, yeah. but you can still go down on them. Yeah. They don't just, you just change, elevate. You just change your elevation. Like... <laughs> it's not like these are like it's not like these are like the one way. Uh, what's it called like the escalators that like there's only like one like this side that like, only has down you have to go the other side to go up or whatever no, that's 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 what i mean elevate means to go up yeah and yet elevators can also go down so why can't the drop shaft drop well, shaft because i view that you're just changing your elevation you're just going at a higher or lower elevation rather than just being yeah, to, elevated up. to ele to elevate means to go up it does not mean to change one's elevation it means to go up it's the same <laughs> as like in in england they call them lifts but they don't just lift they also lower <laughs> so they should be called lift slash lower <laughs> the up and down well, machine just agree to call them the uppy downies yeah exactly. uppy downies yeah okay. uppy downies there you go so so what? So they go toward yeah, the yeah. Downy. What yeah, happens? They, yeah, they know that. that. Uh, Marco basically at this point says no to the offer as Cassidy, uh, Cassidy, mm -hmm. Cassie again tries to argue about how like cornered and injured animals lash mm -hmm. out at those trying to help them and says they're kind of doing the same, which kind of makes Rachel reconsider her vote. But Jake at this point thinks the yellow mist can't really see the future because why would he be here at all if he could? Since he would already know their answer. So basically, like at this, Cassie kind of just like caves entirely to stay with them all since they all seem to be no's. But before they can actually say that, uh, chapter 15 happens because they get cut off. <laughs> yeah. I do want to just note mm -hmm. real quick I, again, we're getting the layers on Rachel that you don't see if you're going through them super fast because, like, mm -hmm. she's reading and she's doing Sun Tzu and she's writing poetry and now she's watching nature documentaries mm -hmm. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. She does everything, and also she can kick your ass and do gymnastics. <laughs> but yeah. But chapter 15, which I have called surprisingly only the second instance of war so far, <laughs> because... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Look, the first book, literally in chapter 5, had a war in this instance it. That kind of made me think there was going to be more aliens eating other alien stuff. <laughs> what about that time Marco got bit in half? <laughs> That's different. That's not actually being fully consumed, and that was a shark. Oh. <laughs> also, you didn't get bit in half. He got his tail bit off. And he wasn't fully consumed. Not like, you know, uh, Elfangor nor these kids right here. <laughs> Differences. But yeah, but basically, they just immediately get warped back in time to their roach bodies, and the Illumis, uh, his, like, booming voice once again says that he'll ask again if they live. Specifying if you live. <laughs> he says that twice, like basically, like, eh, you know, mm. if you live, whatever. <laughs> no skin off my back, I guess. And basically, the kids and Axe are go all gobbled up and start to demorph inside the taxon to try to pop it open. Axe <laughs> uh, reforms his tail uh, mid morph and cuts a path open for them, and they all pour out covered in guts and green blue slime as basically hybrids of humans and bugs, not fully unmorphed. 
Which again, and then all the controllers in the cafeteria saw them in their human morphs. No, 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 no. They're they're height. They're like basically between human and bug, and covered in so much goop, so they conveniently don't realize they're humans for some reason. Yeah, it's blue goop, so they look blue. Exactly. <laughs> Even though they don't look like they're like psionic alien horses, like axe. <laughs> It's, well, they're getting there. They're half rich. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Don't worry about it. They don't realize shit. <laughs> because the Yorks are fucking dumb, as established. Well, you see, roaches have six limbs, much like Andalites. <laughs> so is an Andalite a roach, then? <laughs> Andalites are insects, yes. They're, wait, That's are not... they? <laughs> no. Look, you could have fucking... You could've... <laughs> At this point, I'm willing to believe anything about this series. If you told me that they're no. te- classified technically as some sort of alien bug, I'd believe you. <laughs> Even though no, they're, they're six like limbs, they're bugs. They're pretty clearly... Eh, they're pretty clearly mammals. It's like... Uh, they don't you can have... be a bug and a mammal, just look at centaurs. <laughs> I... I... There's like there's like so much wrong with the idea that a six-limbed animal would automatically be an insect. I don't even know where to start with that. It's well, I don't know. Talking... I don't know of any bugs that eat with their butts, as we established endlights do. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, in any case, at any rate, uh, they all flee for the drop shafts, and everyone that acts tries to morph into something more dangerous to help clear the way because. Dax's most dangerous form is just himself because he has the sword tail. Uh, Rachel basically just gets choke slammed by a human controller guy till Axe chops off his hand. So again, this guy's probably dead because he's uh, more useless because he doesn't have two hands now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Marco and Cassie get up to drop shafts, but Jake basically waits around for Axe and Rachel because they're a little bit separated. But yeah, they basically also start getting swarmed by human controllers and Hark Vizier, who by and large mostly ignore Jake because they want to just beat up an Andalite more. Uh, Axe gets hit a little bit by a hork as Rachel turns into the grizzly bear for the first time, and she just basically lets the grizzly bears in sync to fight take over after she gets slashed a little bit, which basically is just like, oh, a challenger, a fair fight. How about you? And can I say, mm-hmm. can I say, this, this is the Rachel that we all know and love. This is the Rachel I've been waiting for. The one who's all too <laughs> eager to lose herself to the trance of violence. The literal yeah. berserker. That's... That's the Rachel yep, I've been waiting Rachel for. Rachel finally got her. I love this she book. finally got her rage ability. We've been waiting for so yep. long. <laughs> she she leveled up her barbarian class. Yep. And. <laughs> well, actually, wait. Isn't rage is like the first level of barbarian? So maybe she finally took a level of barbarian. I, I think she, rage she, is the first she, level. She, yeah. She took she took her level of barbarian. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, 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 right, because Gorgug has rage uh, at the very start, right, because he goes into a rage to try to fight Fabian after Fabian hits him <laughs> when they're first introduced. I, I don't know. I do want to say, I feel like you mentioned that she was, like, letting the bear take control, but on some level I don't know that that's strictly, like... I mean, she described it as, like, basically just letting the bear's instinct take over. Well, okay, yes, but here's the thing. Bears are big and strong. They're not predators. Like, okay, yes, they'll fight, but the way this thing thinks, the way it moves, it they're they're omnivores. They forage. Mm-hmm. They don't just yeah. run around yeah. smashing and murdering everything I, in their path. Yeah. I, I, I feel like they, they would if they were angry. Yeah, the... like, she, she described it as, like, she basically, like, lets the bear take over after she gets hit, like, by getting slashed a little by a hork bazir. So she's like, oh, a challenger? Okay. Yeah. Well, she also she also describes it as utter confidence, utter fearlessness, mm-hmm. and this is in direct counterpoint to everything she's been feeling so far. Yeah, because she's been terrified. Mm-hmm. 
of a lot of things, yeah. understandably. But also, like, just the issues that she's seeing. Like, and we'll get that bit more into that in my chapters. Mm-hmm. This is her escape. Yeah. This, this is this is her like sliding into the the like the bloodlust and using that to yeah she's sort of she's sliding into ang- she's else. sliding into the anger DMs yeah. to fight people <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I don't deny that she's giving herself over to this rage I just don't mm-hmm. feel like that's like what a bear does <laughs> I I think I think it's probably part of it I don't think it's entirely the bear mm-hmm. uh, if that was what if that is what bears did uh, there wouldn't be human life in North America. <laughs> Well, it's. I, f- I feel like a bear probably would do that if you cut it with a blade, like this Hork-Bajir did. Like if you make, if you make, like, bears aren't going to attack you without provocation unless they're unless it's a certain time of the year and they're very territorial. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you attack a bear, you 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 got a bad, you got a very short bad day ahead of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. My chapter's almost done, though. I'm just going to blaze through it here. Uh, basically, to make the second sequence really easy, she conveniently kind of doesn't remember how she gets from point A to point B because she finds herself just in the drop shaft at a certain point. And she yeah, re- everything, every, all, all, of, all of the intervening moments are just a red haze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, she basically realizes that she's like trying to actually like murder a tiger that's floating above her because she realizes at some point Jake must have morphed to help out, and she basically just kind of lost control a little bit. But he basically just calls out to her on Morph, which brings her to her senses, and she does so while heading up to the surface. And that's the end of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've called uh, Chapter 16, and I, I, uh, Rachel last name's day off. And we do know Rachel's last name, but I'm not going to say it yet. Well, we uh, might know Rachel's last name. I'm assuming this I is a thing from way later on. Do, because we know Jake's last name later, and Jake's dad is... The brother of Rachel's dad. We don't know that for sure. We know they're cousins, but we don't know in what way. So it's yeah, possible like, they have different mean, last names. We do. Jake's we do know because because of how how shit happens between their families later on because of the divorce. It's it's their their dads who are related. I think they specifically mentioned that at some point. Oh, I was thinking for a sec that you accidentally like casually spoiled something, and then I realized you meant the divorce between uh, Rachel's parents. Yeah, well that <laughs> that like first, like I was like, did you just spoil that Jake's parents get divorced? And then I was like, oh wait, no, no. the other one's right. <laughs> yeah, no, and and it's because it's because later on, this isn't too much of a spoiler. Later on, Rachel's family becomes less close with Jake's mom's side of the family because Rachel's dad, like, because the, Ra- Rachel's mom specifically becomes less close with with. Jake's family because it's Rachel's dad who's related to them. Makes you yeah, that I mean? makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll get into that later. But uh, anyway, it's chapter sixteen is Rachel last name's day off. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> um, so the drop shaft takes them, or the uppy downy takes them to the the wa- the water tower behind the school. Um, they're all exhausted. Axe is having trouble re-entering his human morph just because morphing is exhausting. Uh, or entering his human morph. Um, Marco has already taken care of the human controllers who are standing guard. Uh, Jake checks in on Rachel, who apologizes for losing control of the bear. Um, and then Jake tells her to go get some rest, which she does. Um, at that point, she'll, uh, she gets home. She just falls asleep immediately because she's exhausted. Uh, when she wakes up, her mom is 
suspicious. She got home real late, and Rachel is still in her leotard. She came home barefoot. That's weird. When did they um, get the goop off of them? <laughs> I, they had all those viscera on them, and they don't, I don't know that they had, like, I, jumped in like a river or something. <laughs> I am not certain. Uh, but regardless, uh, Rachel's mom is too busy right now getting ready for court to be entirely invested in this right now, but she's going to have a talk with her when she gets home. In the meantime, she tells her to make sure that her little sister Sarah gets on the bus. Rachel uh, asks if she can use the shower. She can. And she spends a lot of time in the hot water, basically going over all of the shit that's in her head. Um, when Jordan, her mid the middle sister, uh, complains she's taking too long. Um, Rachel passes off her duty to make sure that Sarah gets on the bus to Jordan. Uh, and then just skips school. She... You know, Jordan and, and, and Sarah go off to school and Rachel's at, at the home al at the house alone. She's watching TV. She's trying not to think about the impossible decisions that are before her. And instead about, um, you know, other people's problems that are fake and that she's watching on television. Uh, but that's impossible. She can't drag her mind away from it. Uh, instead, the Illumis proposal and her dad's move are in her head instead and they won't leave. So... Uh, she sees her dad on the news. It's muted. He's doing something. You know, he's he's a reporter, so he's at work. Um, she turns it on, and there's she, she turns the sound on, and there's there's someone saying that they'll all really miss. No, uh, sorry, her father is saying that that he'll really miss the the, the people at the station, um, and she just like can't deal with it. She turns the TV off. She feels sick. Uh, quote like I had swallowed broken glass. Uh, she needs to get out of the house, so a few moments later, a bald eagle is soaring out of her bedroom window. Uh, Patrick, are you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, given the era and what she describes as watching on the TV, I'm pretty sure she's either watching Springer or Dr. Phil, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I thought it was like a sitcom. <laughs> I thought it was like a sitcom or something. But, yeah. Well, yeah, because she talks about... Um, Angry people and placating hosts. So, oh, okay. yeah, that yeah. that's definitely some like <laughs> you are not the father bullshit uh, TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What show? What show? Yeah. Was that? that I'm thinking of that does that. Was that Springer? That's Springer. Oh, okay. Or actually, that's Maury. Sorry. Maury, right? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um, chapter seventeen. I've called young lady. Where have you been? No, sorry, no. <laughs> young lady. What have you been? Uh, <laughs> um. So. The kids meet later at, at Cassie's barn. Uh, Rachel shows up in her morphing outfit, so it's clear how she got there. Uh, Marco makes a joke about this that I've named the chapter title after. What have you been up to? These, or maybe these I should you, ask, what have you been? These kids should be doing like what Spider-Man does in the 2018 game of hiding just like some clothes around town that they can at least grab <laughs> at times. Well, Rachel, does, Rachel actually does do that later on. Smart! We'll, we'll, we'll get a... Cause... Well, no, the reason is because she wants to look good. Uh, well, I mean, it's, she, she it's also like you can't just keep walking around in like skin-tight outfits all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, place. she specifically she specifically only hides it in Cassie's barn, but um, she should hide it more places because, like, again, like just like hide a backpack somewhere. The kids, the kids the, I don't think the kids have time to go all around the goddamn city hiding clothes places. I'm sorry. <laughs> The fact, like, just give a shirt, give a shirt and pants to Tobias. He'll take care of them throughout the day. <laughs> Tobias is like three pounds. He can't carry that <laughs> for a long period of time. Um, 
He's got time. <laughs> no, I mean he can't carry it around for a long period of time. Right. It's, so, so he ca so he carries it as far as he can go, land, rest for a bit, then carry it again until he gets there. I think that's incredibly impractical. He's got time. The boy's got time. No. It's also like people will definitely notice that. Yeah. No, they win. Yeah, it. definitely. A one hundred percent, they would. If if an uh, if an also. otter can get away with stealing a bunch of surfboards, a bird can get away with having a shirt in its mouth at times. <laughs> hmm. They haven't caught that otter yet. <laughs> how many how many pairs how many sets of clothes would you suggest the kids hide around the, around least, the city? At least one each somewhere. <laughs> at least one somewhere where? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Okay, well. uh... Just wherever they happen to need, wherever they happen to need to be. I mean, I would say that the barn would be the only place that they would consistently go to. Everywhere else would seem kind of. I guess uh, like the, the know, barn is basically yeah. their June nest equivalent. It, 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 in order, in order to have what you want, which is them to have a set of clothes anywhere they go, they would have to literally hide clothes everywhere, which means hundreds of pairs. And do you think that Tobias has time for that? No, the logistics are insane. <laughs> the guy's gotta like hunt food to eat. You know? <laughs> Alright, so they should at least have a pair at the barn. <laughs> but, well, yeah, no, and, and that's what I was saying Rachel will do later. Yeah, but they should um, all be but... doing that already. <laughs> because they, otherwise they'd be walking around like uh, in skin-tight outfits all the time at weird hours of the day. Which their parents well, never question. The there is the issue that, uh, there is the issue that then, like, you know, Cassie's dad works in this barn. Um, Seems to hide Rachel, somewhere good, like in the rafters, where he wouldn't be able to get there. Rachel <laughs> says, Rachel says, she didn't feel well, so so, so she, so she Rachel, Rachel tells them she didn't feel well, so she stayed home, because uh, apparently mental health days aren't a thing in the nineties. Um, <laughs> Jake asks how she got there, um, but the answer is obvious because she's in her morphing suit. She clearly morphed. Uh, Rachel snaps back at him, saying that she flew. Is that all right? Um, okay, Dad. Jake starts, yeah, okay, Dad. Jake starts grilling Rachel on where and when she got the bear morph, because that was new, uh, and also her recent morphing. Tobias mentions that he saw an eagle, but that was around noon, which means Rachel must have been demorphing and remorphing to stay within the time limit, and she's been flying around, an e like an e uh, flying around as an eagle all this time. Rachel's angry about this because they agreed no morphing for personal reasons. Yeah, but, but also Tobias don't snitch. Oh, we also get a thermal. Yeah. Because um, we get a... Basically, it was saying, uh, I saw Bald Eagle writing the thermal sting this afternoon. Yay! It's been like three books since thermals. That's not true. Yeah. We had one earlier in this very book. Oh, true. Yeah, but, yeah no. Well, before this book, it was like three books since last thermals. <laughs> Just wait for the Tobias books. They'll make up for it. True. Uh, I, I should have guessed. It was... Uh, I sorry, uh I saw Bald Eagle riding the thermals this afternoon. I should have guessed it was up for too long acting like a buzzard. A real eagle would have perched after a while. And you know what? You know what? It's not a buzzard. It's a vulture. Buzzards don't <laughs> exist in North America. A buzzard is, an, is a European bird. Anytime anyone calls a vulture a buzzard, they're wrong. I'm sorry. I, I, know, I know Tobias knows bird facts, but that's one. <laughs> like Tobias trying to do the Brennan Healy Mulligan. Oh, you don't think I know bird facts? And it's like, actually, you don't hear it, Tobias. Because you also thought that yeah, you yourself no. could see it at night for two books. No, it's, 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 it's an Americanism to call vultures buzzards, but buzzards are like a very different thing. They fly similarly, which is why they, which is why they call uh, gotcha. vultures buzzards in, in the United States. But... Buzzards are a European bird that European uh, colonizers started calling buzzards. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, 
start, started referring to vultures as. Yeah. Um, That's like this notion in my head now that Tobias was just lying for two books about being at the sea well at night. <laughs> so all of a sudden he's like, ah, you got me. That's bullshitting. Well, I mean, what, what do you mean? He doesn't say that he could see well at night. He did um, in the first two books because, remember, as a hawk, he was like, I can see perfectly well at night. And then the third book is like, well, yes. I'm like, ah, no, I can't. <laughs> well, yes, but that was, like, are you saying that there's something in this chapter where that happens? No, I'm just saying that it's like, it was, you know, because you said Tobias uh, knows bird facts. But he oh, know, oh, about, about bird vultures. facts. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like, again, him pretending um, that he knew that he could see it well mm-hmm. at night in those two books before he was finally exposing his lie. <laughs> it's just a nice, funny headcanon <laughs> I have now. Or before... They retconned it because yeah. Kay Applegate learned something yeah, about she, hawks. She didn't, she didn't look at that. <laughs> she didn't know she herself bird actually didn't know bird facts. <laughs> some some kid, some fan, like wrote to her or something who just knew a lot about birds. Oh, is that it? And was like, well, actually, no, I'm just guessing. Um, <laughs> Tobias, uh, there's actually a form letter that you would get if you wrote to her. It was fit, written, written. It was it was supposed to be written by Visser Three. It was pretty great. I wonder, I wonder uh, if there's like <laughs> trivia associated with that to actually like describe it. <laughs> no, maybe maybe next time we'll we'll uh, we'll go over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, so Tobias mentions he saw the eagle. Uh, he saw the eagle. So there's um. Hold on, sorry, I'm trying to find my place again. Uh, yeah. So after Jake grills Rachel, she basically just shapped, just like snaps back, um, saying that doesn't matter because we're gonna lose the orcs are gonna win who cares um and then jake his reaction isn't angry it's just tired he essentially just washes his hands of rachel's actions tell her that she can figure out or deal with whatever's wrong and that he's sick of trying to have all the answers uh because as a leader he's expected to and it's an unrealistic expectation for anybody um at this point rachel just drops the news that her dad is moving out of state and that's what's bothering her. The rest of the kids are surprised at this. Cassie asks what she's going to do, but Rachel throws her hands up and asks how she can even think about something that unimportant compared to the fate of the whole human race. Uh, <laughs> so she's, she feels like she's not even allowed to care about her own problems because other people's problems, everyone's problems, are so much bigger. Cassie responds with, you know, a little more compassion, um, which sort of is apparently enough to make Rachel spill her guts completely. Um, she, she's scared. She's, she's stressed. And Marco, yeah, she starts, she starts basically venting about this. Uh, and then Marco responds, uh, come on, Rachel, uh, take it easy. Come on, you're Xena. And he's trying to be nice here, but it's not really having the right effect. She, she shouts, no, I'm not some stupid TV character. She starts saying that, you know, she she's scared about what happens to her. She wants to run away, but she doesn't think she can. And she sees more and more exits that the, the, the out the Elimist is offering them, uh, her opportunity to go to another city. And the more exits she sees, the more scared she gets, the more she wants to run. Um, and then Marco changes his vote. Uh, he changes his vote to agreeing with the Elimis proposition that that they should say yes to it uh because if rachel's losing it then it's only a, a short amount of time before everyone else does too um and and marco's terrified as well um you know he says uh, you know how much sleep i got last night about an hour nightmares i was a zombie in school today i felt like like my skin was has, has all been rubbed with sandpaper i'm jumpy i'm scared i'm stressed um, so this this pressure is getting to all of them. Uh, he, he he says that he woke up 
the other night in bed and he didn't know what he was. He didn't know if he had hands or fins or claws or talons. Uh, so, you know, they're they're starting to suffer the effects of severe trauma, which makes sense because they've been experiencing severe trauma. Now, because of the Elimist, they know it's going to be a losing, like, they know they're going to lose. So, Mar- as far as Marco's concerned, why not just agree with his, with his proposition? But Jake doesn't agree. He says he's still not giving up. Um, Cassie goes back to the whole injured animal biting savior metaphor she did before. That maybe they're responding the same way that a raccoon was if she was trying to heal the raccoon. Obviously the raccoon would bite. But that's because the raccoon doesn't understand what's happening, isn't, you know, acting with the kind of wisdom that a human could. Um, so she figures that maybe we're just the raccoon. Maybe, maybe the humans in this case are just the raccoon. At this point, we get once more a, uh, like a, a statement from the Elimist. The voice, again, the same voice that resounds through everything and isn't really a voice and appears in the head in a way that thought speech doesn't, um, speaks again. And it says, I promised you to ask, I promised you I would ask again. I will now show you what you need to understand. And then we enter into chapter 18, which I've called What to Do with the Time That Is Given Us. <laughs> I like it. It's the, it's um, the bad future in Chrono Trigger. <laughs> After Lavos <Yeah>. wins. <laughs> so, this is a pretty short one. Um, the kids disappear from the barn, and they reappear in a scruffy field of unkempt grass near a large ruined building, with no Elimist in sight. Tobias is back in human shape again, and he recognizes that, this, recognizes that this place is the school, or what's left of it, because the buildings are broken down. The sky around them is yellowish, and acts to, uh, senses a time distortion. From this information, the kids can uh, figure out that they're in the future, that the Limist has transported them through time. Uh, and they don't really know what to do. They figure that the only thing they can really do is look around. So they do. And they see holes that have been knocked in the walls of the school, and straight-up corpses inside of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just dead bodies there. Indeed, uh, dead bodies of specific people that they yeah. know. Yes, exactly. Well, they don't, like they don't know exactly Paloma. if it's an adult or a kid, but they mm-hmm. recognize the classroom. Yeah. Uh, this term is skeletons, which gives them kind of like a, a kid-friendly, spooky-scary vibe, but it's still a corpse. Well, <laughs> yeah. A skeleton lying crumpled across the teacher's desk. Admittedly, it doesn't describe this is specifically the teacher, but come on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's definitely... that they can't tell if it's like an adult skeleton or a kid skeleton. I guess yeah, because it, bit, I guess because it is a bit slumped from... over, and they're obviously not going to like stand it up to see how tall it is. I don't know. Like I've listen. Uh, some some middle schoolers are taller than adults. True. I mean, yeah. it's it's I've I've had like I've I've known. I've, I've worked with middle schoolers who were taller than me, so, and I'm not short, so, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, I could see them not being able to tell, seriously. Mm-hmm. They describe Jake as a big guy, so I imagine Jake's probably taller than some of his teachers. Um, 
So they leave the school to check out the mall because they know where they are. On the way, they, they just find, like, cars as well that are just there, Fallout style, with, again, corpses in them. So apparently, and, like, I know this, this is, this is a, a bit of a spoiler for later, I mean, more like the end of the chapter. This is Earth after the Yerks have won. Apparently, when they win, they don't clean up the bodies. They just leave them there. <laughs> Well, I feel like they clean up the bodies in the areas that they're using, but otherwise they're content to just let it rot. I guess. I don't know. It just seems like you wanted the planet so bad, you know? <laughs> you were like, oh yeah, we're going to take the planet and we're going to take all the humans and stuff. And then they just kind of like let it let it rot, I guess. They, they, they go to the mall and the mall is... Uh, looks pretty much the same. It's got it's got all the same stores. With with there's there is a big difference though, in that there's these big holes that have been drilled into it in each of the different like big outlet stores. And they mentioned Sears and and uh, J C Penny by name, um, or they call it Pennies, which is kind of weird, but whatever. And there's I mean, like that happens sometimes. It's like a shorthand. Oh, sorry. Before before they reach the mall. I skipped part that was important. They see a conveyance tube, which will be important later. Um, it's a big glass tube, and X describes it as um, basically having these platforms inside of it that go very, very, very fast, much faster than a train. He describes the speed in your miles per hour, uh, which will be a running joke later that, that X will describe units of measurement in your miles, your minutes. Uh, and Marco will always respond by saying that they're your miles too, you live here. Um, Axe responds that someone, that some countries use kilometers instead of miles. Uh, almost like, like a gotcha, kind of. <laughs> like, ha, huh, I knew this fact. Uh, and, uh, or like, cause my, uh, Marco says they're everyone's miles, and, and uh, Axe says, oh, well, not, they're not the miles of people who use kilometers. And you know what? True. Fair. Yeah, and also we should use kilometers. He's got you no, there, Marco. Like, <laughs> the thing is, is that even if you primarily use kilometers, they're still miles when you use like having been living in Canada for the past year and a half. Yeah, they seriously mix and match. They're like, yeah, the speeds on the roads are in kilometers, and typically the distances are. But if you use an app to get directions to go anywhere, it still tells you how many miles away it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. There's an inertia about things, I suppose. It's the same like the temperature outside is always measured in Celsius, but the stove sure does use Fahrenheit. I wonder, I wonder if I can get a GPS that tells me how far things away are in cubits. <laughs> uh, how many lengths of the king's arm do we need in order to get to the Kentucky Fried Chicken? Uh, so X describes uh, the speed in your miles an hour Marco says there is miles two X does his kilometer thing as they pass the conveyor tube they will approach the mall which has the holes in it and the holes are there because there's taxons swarming in and out of them apparently they've turned the mall into a taxon hive and that is where we end uh, my last chapter of this episode <laughs> so we're in the future. I considered making a Back to the Future 2 joke. There's actually a point in here where Marco makes a joke that um, 
basically says they should do what the villain does in Back to the Future he, Part Yeah, two he super does. Kind of he basically <laughs> does say, let's find the fucking sports helmet and I can go back in time yeah. to bet on sport events. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a joke. He's he's trying to, like, lighten the mood. Oh, yeah, yeah, because um, he's Marco. Yeah. But it's, like, still a case yeah. of, like, that is what caused the entirety of Back to the Future 2 to go bad, my guy. <laughs> yeah. technically well, gets the I mean, dock stuck in 1885. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like if Marco did get a bunch of money, he wouldn't be like the villain from Back to the Future Part Two. He would just I don't know, probably just become a a vapid rich billionaire playboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the end of Chapter Eighteen. Uh, and yeah. Space I think Wizard. that next, yeah, next semester. Uh, sorry, next next semester. Next what semester. The fuck? <laughs> uh, next <laughs> next episode. We'll be uh, finishing up this book, finishing the stranger. Yes, I'm thrilled. This is so good. I love it. It's, yeah. it's definitely well, one is... of the weirder but more interesting books we've had so far. <laughs> well, it's it's fun. It's fun because this is kind of where the series starts getting into the swing of things. This is really more like the kind of reason, like the reason that I like this series is that things get weird and interesting and very very trippy in places <laughs> and uh any sh- any any book where the alumist shows up you know you're in for a good time it's alumist shows up and you're like oh shit it's like, we're gonna uh, this, we're gonna have this some fucking weird asshole high, here we go <laughs> we're gonna have some like weird high concept sci-fi shit's gonna happen <laughs> it's I, I still am still just so surprised when going like starting into this when I had this like idea that it's like oh it's just gonna be like silly teenagers trying to fight aliens with animal stuff I wasn't expecting stuff like this <laughs> the, the the next book that the Alimist will show up in is straight up literally one of my favorite books in the entire yeah. series it's, it's so good and oh god I can't wait to get to it uh, is it again but, a spoiler yeah. to say what book number that is? Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I would say so. Oh. But it's it's still like I I just I love all the Alimist books, and the Alimist is like my probably one of my favorite characters in the series. I I know I say that about a lot, but um, the, the, God, the and the Alimist Chronicles is my favorite Chronicles book, and it's a shame that it's going to yeah. be literally at the end of the podcast that we get to it. <laughs> um, but... It's going to be a real fascinating one, because as long as that book is, and as far away as it takes us, it's like... <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's it, if, if Everything that's weird and trippy about the Illinist in all of the books, the mainline books he appears in, is just ranked up, like, cranked up to 11 in that one, and uh, it's it's super fun. And yeah. the Illinist the, the in general is, is, a, is a super fun character, and almost weirdly, weirdly, and this is, might be a little bit of a spoiler, or more of a promise, honestly, uh, relatable, in a way you wouldn't expect him to be. <laughs> we're gonna get to that. And I'm we excited too. Absolutely to. will. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Sorry, what? Oh, it's just gonna make another joke. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think so far about this one? A uh, person who's never read these books before, Vivian. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, it's like 
I feel like the Space Wizard is something that, again, could be used a bit too much to be like... Again, like me reading that and everything being like, we don't interfere, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, but you could. You could just basically make the alien brain slugs go away, my guy. <laughs> it would... Okay, there but that are... But that will, would also address I, I me say, too much. <laughs> I will say that. There, I will say this. There are very good reasons that does not happen. Okay. I guess very it's, I guess it's probably just like, again, like you say, it's probably stuff that will be revealed later on when he shows up it at will some other be. point. <laughs> it will be. You have to remember that... How can I say this without spoiling anything? I, I can I can reveal I can point your attention to things that have already happened. <laughs> you have to remember that the Elimist is not the only big, powerful, crazy thing that we've seen. I thus mean, yeah, far. We, we I mean we've aside from like obviously like the alien species with some having the ability to morph, we have seen the fucking Eye of Sauron, so... <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which, that was, fuck, that was fucking wild. Yeah. And, and, and we've been referring to the Illumist as Space Gandalf, so... Yeah, yeah, again, like, I feel like Gandalf is easily, like, the best comparison, because, again, if Gandalf was around too much, you would solve all their problems, so obviously you had to find out reasoning yeah. for Gandalf to not be there. Yeah, exactly. Yes, well... Like, make sure to tune in next time so you can see Mithrandir of the Maiar use the powers of Narya the Ring of Fire to inspire men. You can't, to you can't do multiple <laughs> Lord of the Rings references across both our shows. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> they did this. They did this on the most recent us weirdos too. You can't do it in both. <laughs> That's the thing is that we're not doing it. K. A. Applegate is doing it. She's doing it on purpose. But K. A. Applegate has it literally put Gandalf in this. It's not like she was like, oh yeah, it's fucking Gandalf from Lord of Rings. Yeah. Just because no, he has a lot of similarities, Gandalf doesn't make him Gandalf. Here's the thing, though. She clearly did. <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, like the word Yerk specifically comes from Elvish. It's. This is a Lord of the Rings retelling. True. I mean, yeah, there was. I remember that being like there. The word "yerk" is like derived from "work." So, yeah. Meanwhile, well, it's, it's me derived from the Elvish word for "work," right, which yeah. is like "york." I don't recall. Me it's weird. Meanwhile, I, like yeah. back then, I was like, "Oh, is it just like a play on the word jerk? It's because it's pronounced the, 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 the Elvish word that it's based on is spelled Y R C H. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so almost like a grunt of disgust. <laughs> yeah, like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, makes um, sense. They are gross brain slugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I have <sighs> to say I'm, I'm happy to see Rachel kind of get into her element. <laughs> she's like well, the, the last Rachel book was book two which was a very weak one and Rachel oh, was yeah, yeah that's still probably pretty like much the, like the, didn't didn't do anything but book two is still <laughs> probably like the bottom book so far I would say just because like nothing really happens in it I think it'll stay that way I can't think of another book that's weaker mm. I can uh, you, oh, is it the is it the Helmicrons is it the Helmicrons no it's not the Helmicrons okay because uh, I was gonna say I would I love I love the Helmicrons. <laughs> Kate Buffalo. Um. Oh, okay, yeah. That was just <laughs> weird. That one was weird. Uh huh. Uh huh. Anyway. Uh -huh yep. <laughs> um. I'm still super curious about the starfish one because again, why would they need a starfish? <laughs> no, the starfish one is good though. We already <laughs> explained why they needed a starfish. Rachel was trying to get her earring out of the tide pool. <laughs> It's not even a spoiler. It's just like it's it's the setup for the whole story. Why, I, I guess maybe she sees something while down there to be like, oh well, I guess that's why the starfish is the one put on the, the cover. But also they don't want to repeat 
animals on the cover as much. <laughs> but still. Yeah, most of the time the one on the cover is going to be an animal that gets acquired in the book. That's not universally true, but most of the time it is. Yeah. Not always, but a lot of the time. Sometimes the decisions they make for which animal to pick is, like, it's confusing to me. Sometimes it's just, like, a scene that happens. It's just, like, one of the, they just yeah, pick like, one like, of the worst. Yeah, like, the, the Cassie one being uh, the dolphin and the most recent Jake one having the fly both made sense because, like, mm-hmm. they were flies, even if they were kind of more cockroaches than flies earlier. In, but also, you probably don't want to have a cockroach on a book cover. <laughs> in the starfish one, Rachel's decision to morph the starfish is what sets up the entire story of the book. So it makes sense. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's like... Yeah, we'll get to that. It's yeah. an, it's weird. Yeah, I, I think, again, just overall, the series has, go, has gotten way weirder and crazier than I would have expected, especially for it to just be book seven <laughs> of, like, 60 uh, years. Well, oh, wait, you... yeah. We, we, have, we have not even... They're gonna love way. the Megamorphs book. Oh, boy. Ooh, yeah. Me- the, like, the Megamorphs book, I never really liked them all that much. I did like the second one. Yeah, um, of course, naturally. But, like... I don't know. The, the, the Megamorphs and Chronicles books are always super weird. Um, the Chronicles books are really more... I don't know. They... they... I've really enjoyed Megamorphs 4. There's a couple scenes in that book that have stuck with me for my entire life. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've read that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, things, things will get weird, especially when they get, when they, like, get off planet and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the <laughs> other one I'm really curious about is fucking Legoland. I want to see what the Legoland one oh, yeah. is. <laughs> it's great. When was, I, when I, I think that's my, that's my favorite. When, when is that book? I think, it's, that's one of, that's a, I think it's one of my favorite mainline books. It's it's very far in the future. Ah, bummer. Um, it's... Number 26. It's 26, yeah. Okay, so it's, like, uh, what, two years from now? <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're we're starting to get in the swing of things. You said you said the um the motivation arc is officially over, so yeah, now we're sure. starting to actually get them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like kind of I don't know. I feel like this is kind of does a better job of explaining Rachel's motivations than her second than the second book. Well, that is true, but a thing that I feel like this book is a lot more like the Rachel books we're going to see in the future, in that it's mm-hmm. like. It's not necessarily her learning why she has to fight. It's more about her internal conflict about external pressures. Whereas Tobias's mm-hmm. books are like internal in the way that he needs to figure himself out. Rachel's are more like, "Oh no, people want this from me." <laughs> yeah. Rachel is like people like expect the violence and the violence is something that she has to deal with. The 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 beast within. I right. suppose. Uh, and yeah. she has to grapple with that. I mean, that, yeah, but, like, more than anyone else, I think Rachel's personal story is hinged on expectations from the people around her, especially given the whole she's the only one who really has a big family that she interacts with thing. And that really yeah. affects the way she sees things, like... To Jake, the family is basically just a backdrop, right? The parents are there to be an inconvenience, and Tom is the bad guy. And to Marco, his dad is, like, a plot device-ish, question mark? But Rachel, they're, like, right there and in it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess so. I mean, I I guess I see 
her family as being a source of stress to her. Exactly. But yes. I, I, f- yeah. I feel like the main impetus of Rachel's stories is usually the kinds of things that she is forced to do because of war and the well, well um, and 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 the the contradiction that comes with how she feels about the things she's supposed to do i mean yeah absolutely but i guess the point i'm trying to make is you look at this book yes she's stressed about the war yes she's stressed about that but a lot of her emotional development in this book is hinged upon her family is asking her to do this thing and she doesn't know what she wants and but that's the, the... The, the reason that I think it's so stressful for her is that it's offering her an escape. And the, the thing that, one of the interesting things, things about Rachel is that from the outside, in all the other characters' books, she's described as fearless. But mm-hmm. in Rachel's books, that's clearly not the case. She's terrified all the time. It's mm-hmm. how she responds to the fear that kind of forms the core of her character. And in this case, the family stuff is important, but it's serving to provide another something that that multiplies the fear you know oh, what I mean? certainly yeah yeah i just yeah i think we are maybe coming at the same thing from slightly different angles but yeah i would it's... say so <laughs> i think i think we're we're like i i i think you're you're thinking about the the family in a primary sense and i'm thinking about what the family means uh, sort of i don't know um, her, her family is definitely the most we, like, realized than all the other families, though. I think it's safe to say. Uh, yeah. Like, as, I, I like aside, so. aside I from would... Tom, I think. But, like, Mar- Marco's dad has kind of just been, like, kind of there in the background, just kind of getting mentioned. Like, yeah, he at least had, like, some scenes in his actual book, but, like, Jake's parents haven't really mattered at all. <laughs> not rough guys. <laughs> well, like... Not to spoil her too much, but in our next Rachel book, her family is still going to be a major source of stress. It's just in a very different way. They, like, they exist to me as a literary device that serves to cause problems for Rachel. Yeah, yeah. When, when and that is mostly because they stick around in a way that the other families don't. Yeah, when Rachel was making her character, she chose to have a bunch of DNPCs with her entire family. And then she's like, "Shit! Now they're actually a problem. How dare the how dare the game master use them against me for Never. character motivation?" I will if, listen. If you if I'm if I'm running a game, especially if it's a World of Darkness game, and you give me exactly your, yeah, your, yeah, family, yeah. Your, your character has a family, like I am going to just use that to emotionally destroy. Exactly. Like so every, so many like, so many times when I'm writing my character background, it's me being like. Yes, GM, please use this against me, basically. Yeah, dude, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun It's fun to play a character that is facing emotional yeah, like, turmoil, and it's like, fun like, to put characters in, through it. In, in, in mean... the group, in the game that uh, my, like, my high school friends and I play, like, when we did uh, superheroes for, like, the third time, like, uh, basically, like, what was that, uh, two campaigns ago? Yeah, like, mm. I, I basically had my character have DNTCs of their girlfriend and their other roommate, and it's like, they never actually were put in any, like, situations where they would be in danger it was just me having to be like oh shit my character might have accidentally done stuff that's straining their relationship with their girlfriend oh crap it's like like, really listen why do the writers give spider-man exactly when stacy and aunt may it's because they serve as like yeah it's it's social conflict to be threatened basically it's 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 something that that it's like something that spider-man can care about Mm -hmm. outside of his superhero life that can be used as a source of tension that's that's why Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so it, like it, 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 I think giving giving characters families that they can care about it helps a lot to create that that dramatic tension. Now, I would say that Rachel isn't the only one who has that. Certainly, Marco's dad. Yeah, yeah. Marco's Marco's Marco also yeah. gave yeah. himself DNPC as one of his complications. But Jake and uh, like Jake, especially Tobias and uh, Cassie, did not. Even though they like, yeah, well, our characters well, have yeah. families, but they're not going to be like characters that we need to like focus on as much yeah i mean that's certainly going to be true for marco eventually but it doesn't really focus yeah. on his family issues for a oh, while the, the, you know what yeah, i mean the different tom is actually he picked rival as that complication for tom <laughs> so like tom's on the dnc he's rival that's the thing I, I at one point i should actually show you the hero book so you get what i understand what i'm talking about because <laughs> there's a lot there um well, you need to show them to the listeners. We're going to do it on, on yeah. the podcast. Well, um, unfortunately, the PDFs the, uh, of Hero 6 Edition are like 50 fucking dollars because the books have been out of print for so long. So unless I want right. to basically just post them on the fucking Patreon for people, I can't really do that. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? I don't think that we have anything, no. So next time we will be finishing up Book 7 and uh, exploring more of this wild, wacky future uh, Fallout zone. And <laughs> yep. until then, I think there's not much left to say, but remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. Ciro didn't do a goddamn thing wrong. I think we're getting there soon, right? Whether I can actually have an opinion on this, but for the moment I need to say it's he did nothing wrong. It's only a couple more books from now. Okay, but... like, you're going to learn who Ciro is in book eight. There's a lot more other qualifying information you're going to need before you can understand exactly why Ciro did nothing wrong, and that's probably going to come up a lot later. It's complicated. Just say what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you expecting another prompt? I already said you apparently did nothing wrong for a moment. <laughs> okay, bye, 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 everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>